Hey, let's kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, which is brought to you free every week from the folks at, well, where else? Geekinthecity.com. You can also watch us stream the show weekly every Tuesday on twitch.com forward slash geekinthecity at 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. If you enjoy the show, you can also help us out over on patreon.com forward slash geekinthecity. Your support there helps us do more content and create more shows and overall make it a better experience for you, the best audience in the world. As always, always share the show and make some comments for us or give us a five-star rating on any of the platforms you enjoy listening to this show on. And with that, let's kick off this all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Well, howdy, howdy, howdy. It's issue 646 of Geek in a City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Finarita. And I am your other other host, Cable Hashitani. And this is Artificial Energy I'm using. Hey. Is that like five-hour energy? Does it come in a little bottle? Uh, man, if... So I did a five, I took a five hour energy once and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> um, it was at, I think it was at, I think it was at Stumptown, the last Stumptown. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, Cable, you know, like you're tired because we were been organizing a comic book show and running a nonprofit comic foundation. Also, I had a comic out that weekend. And the person I was working with at the time was like, here, I use these every day. You should use one. And I'm a coffee drinker. I have two to three cups of coffee on average in the morning. Um, maybe a nice iced latte around noon if I'm feeling it. I was like, hey, man, thanks. What a good idea. And I just shot the whole thing. I, I felt awful. Like, I was jittery. <laughs> like, I couldn't quit bouncing. Um, I'm pretty sure I was averaging like 130 beats a minute with my heart. I was like, ah. and it wasn't, it did not give me, it gave me energy. It did not give me focus. No, it just made me a fucking basket case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember he said, I was like, how do you, how, how do you do this every day? And he's like, well, I never drink it all at once. I was like, that's what every commercial shows. They tell you to drink it all. Yeah. I mean, they're only like this big. Are you not supposed to drink it all at once? I I don't know. Like I mean, in a couple sips. Like I, I imagine it's like like a like a like a um an espresso. Like you don't necessarily like shoot it, but you know it's it's only so many sips worth, and you're not supposed me. to take all day with it. Don't tell me how to drink my espresso. Is that <laughs> how you drink your espresso? You just like slam it? Okay. 
I I'm mean, not actually I, like a, a connoisseur of, of of nice coffee drinks, so this is all presumptive. I, I don't. I know. mean, you don't shoot espressos, but you don't drink them slowly either. That's what I'm saying, and that's and that's what I, I think you do with a five hour energy shot. It is. Mm-hmm. It's not even called shots. I know. I, I think you're supposed to drink them kind of quickly, and also. A lot of people don't realize this. Uh, espressos do not have as much caffeine as you think they do. They don't. Because the darker the roast, the lower the caffeine. Mm-hmm. That's why whenever I hear someone be like, oh, man, I'm going to have this extra dark roast. It'll be so much caffeine. I'm mean, like, it's going to be less caffeine. That's why we usually stick with medium roasts. Yeah. I didn't believe that the roast type was an indicator of caffeine levels. I thought that was just about flavor. It's also that. It's also that, yeah. I feel like the espresso roast, unless you're making espresso and you want that nice kind of where they got the crema top or whatever mm-hmm. that's on them, I think that kind of ruins the flavor of like good coffee beans. Like cable, like a good medium roast is that's where you get the flavor and the nuance. You know. I mean, I'll not to make it seem like I'm putting on airs or anything. I'm basically at a point where I'm I'm about to take it intravenously on a regular basis, so it, I'm not a coffee snob by any means. Oh no! I mean, it's, sometimes it's just you just got to, yeah, you just got to get it. Yep. You know, it was like oh. when. Uh... No, go ahead. Tell your story. I'm going to say, I think they still have them like in 7-Elevens or probably plaid pantries. The, um, what are they called? They're like small or smoke or stoke. stoke. They're the same size as like the little like creamer packets, mm-hmm. but they're just little black shots of caffeine. They even say like warning limit one. Like who, who only uses one when they go to plaid pantry and get some <laughs> 16 ounce coffee? You're like a one, a two. No. A three. A three. I've never seen those. <laughs> oh, they're wonderful. It is at a truck stop, so. That oh, tells you everything yeah. you need to know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if 7-Elevens or Plaids still have them, honestly, but yeah. Tweaker's Delight. That's what we used to call them when I worked at Zipcar. <laughs> when I worked at Zipcar, we were like, I was like, I'm going to run into Plaid and get a soda. And if I was working with somebody that day or for a little bit, he's like, grab me a handful of them Tweaker's Delights. I'm like, all right. The people at Plaid didn't care. What do they care? You take it it's not their job to regulate your caffeine intake. That's true. Yeah. If if a 15-year-old me can go into a Walgreens and buy a fistful of caffeine pills, um, I I expect that the like the the burden of of supervision uh, for someone who works at a Plaid pantry is even lower. <laughs> that is probably very true. Yes. Um, I was trying to imagine you like, what's your name from Saved by the Bell? I'm so uh, excited. I'm, I'm so, so scared. <laughs> I've actually never seen that. Oh, that's not that whole episode. I'm sure I've at least watched the scene. but I haven't that was, either. That was not my show. Uh, I've seen, like you, I've seen the scene, but not the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the scene many times. <laughs> oh man, oh, no doze. Oh yeah, I remember those days. 
being a theater nerd, we just used to put them like in our Jolt colas. You just dissolve one in a Jolt. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. That and some cookie and some raw cookie dough. Ooh, it's just living on the edge when you're a theater kid. <laughs> theater kids just didn't. We didn't know any better. That's true. Oh, Norm says as a coffee enthusiast, he makes his own cold brew. Well, that's good. I do that too. It's delicious. I inherited a cold brew machine, like a, a cold brewer. What does it do? It makes cold brew. I don't know yet. I haven't used it because it's not. Oh, okay. It's not. It's not the time of year where I I don't want hot coffee in the morning. Oh, all right. That's fair. Sometimes I like the cold stuff even when it's a little chilly out because I can just chug it, which I guess negates the idea of enjoying the coffee. You know, so. Kay was looking at us like, you're both just such children. No, that's not, I, that is not it at all. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't feel like I I need coffee or caffeine, like, like cable in that sort of like, I'm ready to go intravenous with it. Um, I'm not going to say like, I can live without caffeine because I don't know if that's true. I just feel like I'm not diehard about coffee where I'm like, I have to have coffee every day. I, I would probably actually prefer tea, but that's it's like a whole nother process. And I'm not in charge of making things in the morning. So no, then you get what you get. No, no, I'm the kind of person who, you know, it takes me four hours to drink one mug of coffee because I'm distracted by other things. I'm working. That's fair. Yeah. In my early thirties, I started developing some sort of um, acid reflux or ulcerous, um, issues with my digestive mm-hmm. tract and had to go I had to I couldn't drink coffee. I I think I gave up coffee for like two years. Oh no. Yep. And then strangely the acid reflex just went away. Hmm. Hmm. That happens. I actually used to have acid reflex as a kid. Um and now I can't remember the last time I had an attack. Hmm. I think I gave up coffee for a little while once thinking like, you know, I should, you know, wean off the caffeine a little bit. And that didn't last very long. <laughs> it was but, way, way easier for me to um, cut out soda on a regular basis out of my life. That's mm-hmm. what I did. I think I can count on like one hand how many times I have soda like a month mm-hmm. and not even that much now that I think about it. I think my max is about two. Yeah. No, three. Three. Three a month. Yeah, and it's usually because I'm at, Yeah. Usually because it's, it's, I'm at, like, the movies. And I want... You know what? I want, like... I want a soda and a popcorn. I want salt mm-hmm. and sugar. Kind of. Yeah. And Although, if you go to a place where you can mix your own soda... Oh, yeah. Then I That's can... Uh, then I can just get plain soda. Like, no no flavor. Yeah. Mm. Or just anything that's not cola. Mm-hmm. I like I th- making the... Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I, I largely when it's a, a name brand, I, I have switched almost uh, entirely to Dr. Pepper. Mm-hmm. Mm. After both doing Pepsi and then Coke for many years. Not that Coke. The other Coke. Right. I used to love Dr. Pepper, but it's it's even sweeter than Coke. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a better flavor because there's all those other like spices and whatnot, but I just like, 
when I when I drink, especially if it's a like a straight Coca Cola, not a Diet Coke, I'm like, oh, so indulgent. It's, it's like like just like I can feel the sugar just like ripping through my body. Mm-hmm. The, the taste is almost overwhelming. So I have to read something from Norm in the chat box here. I agree oh. with him. I don't drink Bang because Bang is owned by an ultra mega douchebag. But I didn't know they made one that came in Swedish fish flavor. Ah, oh, shit. I mean, I still won't do it. But But I want to now. But I want to now, yeah. He says it's not bang that comes. It's something called ghost energy. Oh. It says, if you need an energy drink, go with ghost energy. It is better than bang, but comes in Swedish fish flavor, and that's the best. Okay, so. Okay, I read that. Don't drink bang. Do try ghost. That's right. I guess if I'm ever like, I don't know, it's been years, but if I'm craving or finding myself in need of an energy drink, I will try to remember. The, the children that I work with drink those all the goddamn time, and I just don't understand. Like, I am not an energy drink person. They have a super artificial flavor to them. I mean, I drank a lot of energy drinks in my 20s. But that was, um, but they that were was different Army days, then. too, right? Yes, yes. This was hard work. Oh, God, I'm about to say, like, do it. you know, go, work, hard, work hard, play hard. Um, <laughs> but no, like, yeah, like, work, jobs were very labor intensive for me back then. And also, like, I never slept because I was always partying. Right. I mean, that's also understandable to where I know that, you know, even by what you said, you it's not like you were, like, on front, front lines. But there was still the chance of being blown up. Yeah, I, I did so a lot it's of, like, I did fuck some it. hard dissociating. Um, <laughs> right, yeah, that's understandable. I, <laughs> uh, although I, so I meant in general, not specifically when I was overseas. Hmm. Oh, well, okay. Because that's that's the lifestyle. Right, yeah. Um. So, yeah, hey. Coffee, caffeine talk on Keaton City Radio. Woo! Yeah, although, that was man, a, a I want a coffee so segue. bad right now. Yeah, I kind of do too, but yeah. I'm not going to because I will eventually want to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's true. already difficult that. enough as it is. This is also true for me. Yay! I was medication. playing with a new magic coffee mug this afternoon, and so I had a late mug of coffee, and I am also concerned now. What is it, magic? Um, they're what called Ember mugs. I've been wanting one for a long time, but they're kind of pricey, so I've never. I've never, you know, indulged myself in that, but um, but there's an extra one at the office that I have just again inherited, and so like you hook it up to your app, and it reads when the cup is empty, when the cup is full, and um, you can like pick different settings. Like you can just pick like the default coffee setting, and it sets it to the ideal temperature for coffee, and it keeps your coffee at that temperature until the mug is empty. What? Yes. And like I said earlier, I'm the kind of person who will forget their cup for like three hours because I'm, you know, I'm doing this. So I don't Mm -hmm. have this. Um, Yeah, it's magic. Does it have like its own batteries or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it works. It works. It has a little charging pad, like wireless charging. uh, So that works through induction. And then it's got an internal battery that lasts for however many hours. Hmm. Okay. That's pretty cool. They have a travel mug, and now that I've like actually seen the magic, you know, firsthand, I'm like, okay. 
You you do like your your drinking apparatus. I do. I, yes. Um, although like, I will never buy another hydrate spark water bottle again. They got me twice. And I'm just like, nope, done. You're dead to me. I mean, you used to yell at your bottle when it lit up. Because I, I remember. No, the, no those, the bottle was yelling at me. You would yell back at it like, I know. <laughs> I mean, I yell at most of my things when they're nagging me. I'm like, all right, I got it. I see you. <laughs> Um, I'm looking at the, the ghost energy website. Geek in the city radio does not, this is not an advertisement for ghost energy. We heard not. This is not an endorsement. Um, they do have flavors that are like intriguing. Like there's citrus, there's tropical mango, there's orange cream. Those are all good, but they also have airheads, Mm -hmm. two flavors of sour patch kids. Strawberry Bubblicious and Swedish Fish. Those monsters. I went to their site now too. Yep. So, well, Sour Patch Kids. That's kind of your jam, isn't it? I enjoy the Sour Patch Kids. Uh, I don't know what candy is my jam, other than the candy that I have right in front of me at the moment. <laughs> um, to be blunt. Like, and, or not blunt, but to, yeah. but to be, if honest. I'm going to be honest with myself as well as everyone else, yeah. um, I I have been trying to like I want a candy at home, I want a sweet at home. I try to keep around a bag of soft licorice. Mm. Alien or black? Black. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm definitely 100 a black licorice person. The the kind that I have right now is raspberry flavored, actually. I think it's raspberry. Yeah. What are your um, thoughts on like the salted hard licorice that those Nordic people oh, love God so much? Damn, I couldn't get enough of that stuff. No. Oh my God. It's so, it's good. so gross. Mm-hmm. Man, next time we all next I time we all go to Astoria. Next time we go to Astoria, I'll just take we just take you to that um that what is it that Nor- store? that Norwegian store. Mm, okay. They got that entire like mini section of all the different kinds of yeah licorice with salt and stuff. Nice. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things that I, it's a, uh, my dad goes nuts for black licorice and it's something that I got introduced to when I was young, like black, like red vine, black licorice and over the counter candy. That stuff is not great. Um, <laughs> but when you find good black licorice, God damn, it's good. <laughs> I, I cannot, I've tried and I just cannot. No, it, it's fine. And I've, I think it's like I don't know that it's exactly like cilantro for folks, but I do think that it has that same effect where people are like they either really like anise or they just fucking don't. I mean, I sure. do like anise and like generally like the flavor of licorice, licorice, but those black licorice ones, especially if they're salted, are so intense. I, mm-hmm. it's, 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 I think it's an acquired taste, and so I have not built up that level of tolerance. Slash acceptance. Yeah. Uh, Norms. Then we'll get to the real show today. Norms, <laughs> anyone try those Australian, the Australian the show? licorice? That's uh, my I favorite. Have, I, love I love Australian those licorice. It's just so thick and chewy. Like, they're, wow, yeah, wow. they're like really dense. This is the brand that I do. It's an Australian licorice. Uh, RJ's is the brand. Oh, this is actually New Zealand. Sorry. Sorry, New Ooh. Zealand. 
I didn't mean to confuse you, but they do uh, a raspberry, um, a black licorice, and then a mango. Mm. Now I also have the munchies. <laughs> um, I just buy like I don't know whatever is in the bulk section at my grocery store. But my favorite favorite, more than licorice, is gummy bears. Mm, gummy Same. Bears. But like the fancy ones made with like real fruit juice. Do you do you like the the gooey and the squishy bears? That are a little sticky, or do you like the really hard? Have to suck on them for like a good twenty minutes to get them to soften up. Yes, like the Germans. Yeah, <laughs> I mm. I will accept both the like soft, fresh, and the like harder, drier ones. Yeah, but I um, like the ones that make me work for it a little bit. I'm not going to say that that is the correct answer, but it is the superior answer. <laughs> um, I, I, I would say that, like, you know, like, under my head, I have a preference for, like, again, like, the really high-quality ones where they're they're fresh and they're almost kind of breezy-feeling, mm-hmm. but they still have a good amount of density to them. So they're not just, like, going down my gullet. Yeah, they've got that, uh, uh, that sheen on them that comes from, like, the deterioration of the gelatin. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah, deterioration. <clears throat> yeah, I have a. In fact, I have like a five pound bag of world's best in my pantry right Dang. now. I mean, I've been working at it for a while, but like, that's no, I'm saying that's a, that's a lot of that's a lot of self control to not just destroy one. It depends on if whether or not I've had an edible. <laughs> no, like, no, it's five. It's five pounds of gummy bears. It's a lot of gummy. That's bears. That's a lot of it's, gummy bears. I it's you true. I think you might be hospitalized if like if you made like a real real dent in in one sitting. Yeah, that's not good for you. But like, yeah, if, I I, if, it... I, if, I, if I if I'm like going hard, that's like two handfuls. <laughs> going hard on the bears. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> wow. Okay. I think that's a, that is a, that is an actual dramatization, like a very very accurate replica of what it looks like when I come with parachute guys. That's right. Okay. Uh, sometimes every once in a while, because I'll need a really <laughs> weird chuckle. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to go onto Amazon and look at the reviews of the red sugar free gummy bears when people buy too many and eat them. Because it's. Was- Jeff it's reminded of with, that the other day. Yeah, because it just goes right through you and sends people into a panic because they forget that they had a bunch of sugar-free red gummy bears. And <laughs> oops, I was like, I worked at Walmart when those Olestra chips first came out. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh man, and Walmart was like big on it. Like they, like carried more of those Olestra. Lay, I think Lay's did it first or whatever. Mm-hmm. Ooh mm-hmm. man, the horrors I saw! I had never been more happy to not be a courtesy clerk during that era. <laughs> that's, that's all I'll say. Oh, yeah. Still yeah when that. people started discovering that anal leakage was a feature and not a bug, <laughs> they even had to put it on the bag, sir. Yes, they did oh, on God. the bag. They had to put that warning on there. I mean, people shouldn't leak to begin with without some kind of control. But I think out of all the places one can do that, that's the worst spot. I 
Yeah. I got nothing. I like I'm I keep being like one phrase away from just ranting about the state of everything and I'm trying desperately. Oh no, yeah. Otherwise I'll get going. Instead, let's go from No, you know what? I'm gonna hold back on that segue joke. Maybe let's, let's just insert a break right here and then we'll we'll just come You know back. what? Um and uh, we'll be right back. Well, like we said, this is a good spot to take a quick break and talk about our sponsors. First up, Guardian Games. They are Portland's greatest comic book shore. <laughs> Store, not shore. Although they are kind of close to the river, so you can come ashore to Guardian Games. At 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. You know, easing them's, finding them's just super easy. They're, you know, they're right off the street. They have parking. They have bike parking. They have motorcycle parking. They're like a block from a streetcar stop. They have a bus stop. Like, seriously, getting to Guardian Games is is pretty dang easy. And when you get there, you know, you might be surprised at all the different types of role-playing games that are out there now. And I don't mean, like, genre. I mean in terms of, like, function, how they work. You know, they're still dominated by all the funky-sided dice and whatnot, but there are a lot of variations of adding, you know, that element of chant to your role-playing game. And even some that don't, you know, some have become very much story-driven first, and the GM is almost like a, a silent narrator. So it's pretty cool. You know, there's games that use a deck of cards, there's games that use um, a Jenga board, or a block-stacking game, as they must call it, I believe. There's a game that only uses teak lights, like tea candle lights. So the the variety of role-playing games out there and the way to express yourself while having fun playing a character are more vast than ever before. So you owe it to yourself to get down to Guardian Games at 345 Southeast Taylor Street and check out some of those games. If you're not sure what they are, like ask anyone who works there. Uh, they will all point you in the right direction and kind of help you find your place within the world of role-playing games. Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. And when you're there, thank them for shopping Geek in the City Radio. And also, after you pick up your games, swing by Bridge City Comics. They're one of the city's greatest comic book shops. They carry all the new titles, um, as well as have, you know, if it's still in print, they can get it for you. They've got, like, a small used trade section when you walk in, like, right on the other side of, like, the, the brand new items. That's a good way, you know, if you're curious about something, but you don't want to pay full cover price, maybe they've got the youth trade in there. You know, that's definitely something to check out. And then don't forget, starting June 1st, Bridge City Comics becomes Rose City Comics as Michael takes a much-deserved retirement from the retail side of comic books and, um, you know, passes the Legionnaire's flight ring to Donna. And, you know, the store's really not going to change. The name's going to change, and she might, over time, kind of put her own touches on it. But if you have a box, you're still going to have your box. Nothing's going to change. You're going to have the great customer service you've come to know and love. From Bridge City Comics, it will just be Rose City Comics. So check them out. 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland. And when you're there, thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. And we're back. <laughs> I'm sure those sponsors were really happy that if that you was stayed, their lead it. Yeah, if you, uh, I'm glad you all you folks stuck with us after that uh, um, brisk and bracing uh, yeah. opening conversation. We yeah. did that for half an hour. We did. 
We kind of had one of those behind the bastard moments when he's saying something horrible and then rolls right into products. Uh, great. <clears throat> no, don't don't give him credit for that. We we started that. If anything, he got it from us. That is true. He probably heard an early episode of this when we had uh, Asylum commercials. Yes. And we were mm-hmm. talking about them being Portland's, what was it? Jockstrap? Yeah, but I thought we made it sound fancier. Yeah, like, it was I like mean, it was like Portland's decorative jockstrap or something like that. I mean, a jockstrap is a jockstrap. Portland's strap mid-century um, athletic supporter. That's right. <laughs> mid-century modern athletic supporter. That's... For all your needs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway. we're going to talk about some kid shows. <laughs> oh, fucking God. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we, we've, we've gone a few weeks without talking about, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes. And I think we're going to go back and visit those kids and find out where they're at. Um, oh boy. I, t- t- uh, I think we are at episodes, uh, nine and 10 from season two. We are still in the, so. we're still in the Earth Nation. Mm hmm. And uh, I think when last we talked about Avatar, um, the the group had just gained um, Toph, who is a young girl from Money, uh, happens to be blind, and also the most badass Earthbender. And uh, she has... Uh, been taken on as Aang's earthbending teacher. Yes. Um, the, the description for episode nine, episode nine is bitter work. Aang begins to learn earthbending from Toph. Uncle Iroh resumes teaching Zuko firebending to better prepare him for facing um, Azula and reveals a new technique he learned from watching waterbenders. Now, oh, that's right. We did have a couple episodes from when Toph joined because the Azula cornered everybody in the desert. I think the last episode that we reviewed, I mm-hmm. thought Azula had actually killed Iroh. Right. Um, <clears throat> because I didn't put it past this show or that particular character. No, that's totally fair. And he's still pretty bandaged up, so. Yes. Um, I'll do my best. Uh, I Like, I watched this back when we were supposed to review it, and that was like three weeks ago. <laughs> well, I actually watched both of them again this afternoon. Like, mm-hmm. I made sure to have it. I did too, um, but I was not in a position to write notes, so it's a little goosey-goosey. So it's it's really just kind of a parallel training episode. Mm-hmm. With both of them, both Zuko and Aang, kind of just having to learn, continually learn lessons about themselves. And struggle. Uh, and struggle. And... Zuko's is still clearly the more angsty struggle. Um, but I think he has a bigger breakthrough here towards the end of it. Uh, when he's basically screaming at the sky to like strike him. So that literally he can... screaming into the void. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he can do lightning bend, which I think Cable, you brought this up before, and I'm kind of with you. I still don't understand the connection between fire bending and creating lightning. Uh, Uncle Iroh actually says something along the lines of like, um, oh, 
lightning is this and that, and that's why some people call it the cold-blooded fire. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I know, that. that's how I felt. I was like, I get what you're going for, but I'm gonna I, don't, make, I don't see it. I'm going to make this worse. So it in doing our um, Usagi role-playing game, Mm-hmm. I like I do deep dives down all kinds of uh, weird uh, feudal Japan rabbit holes that pun is yeah. partially intended um, and I was reminded of something uh, about uh, elements and then recognized its relation to the show and went so hang on a second so Avatar is based on multiple um, Asian cultures. Right. And they borrow heavily from all of them. And they have nations based on the four elements. Except Asian cultures don't have four elements. They have five. Air isn't one of them. Right. Oh. It's wood and metal. Wood and metal, right? Fire, earth, water, earth. metal and wood those are the five elements Mm -hmm. so like now my brain keeps watching avatar going wait there would be no there there wouldn't be any earth air nation there wouldn't be airbenders there's the fuck (laughs) yeah (laughs) and yet that's kind of like the the primary that's like the the titular element Yep. Yeah. But those are Western mm-hmm. elements. Right. Those were the elements that Western cultures adopted. So I. Well, yeah, I, you're right. <laughs> that is worse. So I, I, but I like, I don't. Sure. Lightning is related to fire. Well, I mean, I know. Part of me is like, lightning makes more sense for an airbender because you charge the particles in the air and create lightning. This is right. where I, I sure. I know uh, I'm trying to put science into this show, but you know, no, it's why I I tend to like appreciate Ninjago's direction with elemental warriors, like Ninjago, also heavily based on Asian cultures, without actually being Asian. They're they managed to be more diverse for characters who were all yellow. Anyway, <laughs> just because. Mini, okay. That that's the whole point. But anyway, that yeah, I, <laughs> I, that's a different rabbit hole. I have Lego news at the end of the show. Um, but like they they have fire and earth and water, and then they also have ice and lightning. Mm-hmm. As and like then, advanced, as separate elements. Oh, oh okay, gotcha. So those are their five elements. They actually have six. The sixth element is life, because the um, the the uh, green ninja uh, Lloyd Garmadon, his uh, elemental power is essentially to give additional energy to all of the other elemental powers. Yeah, like so, he's he's the element of love or. Heart, heart. That was the one from Captain Planet. So right, uh, yeah. No, love isn't. Love is the fifth element. Yes, that's true. In the fifth element. Yeah. 
Oh. Or it's just Mila Jovovich. Yeah. I'll, I'll accept <laughs> that answer. <clears throat> She's been playing a, a killer clone that takes out entire zombie armies for like over a decade. I'm not going to tell her to do anything. Yeah, I'm not going to tell her to do whatever she uh-huh. wants. Nope. Um, yeah, but I mean, episode nine was perfectly serviceable. Yes. Um, it's, yeah, it's just uh let's move this. It felt like a let's move the story forward mm-hmm. kind of episode. I mean, it did um, have um a lesson, you know, like first there was the stuff about like Toph needing to learn how to like be part of a team. And now this episode was like Toph needing to learn that different people need different um different learn you know everyone has different learning styles and or like learn to be just like even a a smidge more um empathetic oh i that i didn't take that she learned that lesson at all that yeah, was no, I feel like she was supposed to she did I... end up but ultimately she did manipulate the situation the way she wanted to manipulate the situation but i felt like that was she, that's what she was supposed to have learned is like Hey, maybe maybe try meeting this kid halfway. Yeah, I I felt more strongly that the lesson that was supposed to have been learned was the lessons that Ang learned, which was not everything is going to come easy, and mm. that he needed to change. Like he he actually needed to change how he thought. As he pointed out, it's like earth bending and air bending are complete that are the two opposites or or one of the two opposites fire and water being the other Mm -hmm. so like it's easy for him to learn water bending because that makes sense Mm. that that's adjacent same with fire bending fire he's good at fire bending it's just unmanageable because it's an adjacent skill earth bending requires to be solid and and it requires stasis where air is constantly adapting and constantly moving. Yeah. So that like, and that was like Katara tried to get Toph to change her approach. And Toph was like, I, I can't. <laughs> this is like, the only way I know it. He, that and he has to learn to do this. I can't tell him, no, you can just do it like airbending. You can't. Otherwise you don't learn it. <laughs> You're right. I didn't see it that way, but that that is that is the takeaway. The the intended takeaway. Yep. Uh, I I think. Don't get me wrong. I do think Toph has lessons that she needs to learn, and she has her own stubbornness to get across. So she has to learn to be more flexible and less um, stable. Uh, because that's all that she knows is the stability of rock. And I think the upcoming episodes uh, start to put her in a direction where she can go, well, I have to rely on something else because everything that I know is fucking gone. Mm. <laughs> right. Uh. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree with Aaron. It, it was a episode of training montages designed to kind of move do a little story but more character development along mm-hmm. yeah um i mean that's not that makes it a it's not a bad thing 
No. It's still it just, a fine episode. It just means there's not a lot to discuss. Right. Right. And the stuff with um with Zuko kind of mirrors that. Yeah. His you know. his experience, I think, was a lot more existential. Mm-hmm. He's like he's like I don't I, I wouldn't call it like rock bottom, but he is like really going through some shit right now. It's just kind of like one hit after another, and like these are these are his new formative years right now. Yeah, yeah, um, that is definitely true. I you know. I know it happens eventually, but I keep waiting for that moment for like his uncle to actually get through to him. And all I keep thinking is like this uncle has just the most infinite patience in the world. <laughs> once we like to fast forward a bit, once you actually see the wall of bossing say that starts to give you a better idea of like, oh, that's why. Yeah, like, no. Infinitely patient. <laughs> right, yeah. That's what made him a good general. Right. But it's a fun episode, you know. I'm a sucker for any kind of like training montages. Mhm. But that's, you know, kind of what it felt like, you know, the the little B plot with um Zuko Sofa, and the, Zuko getting uh, okay. Yeah, I'm like, eh, that's cute." But eh. Okay, fine. Um I was gonna say it felt a lot like the last time like Aang was being forced to use his full avatar powers. It always seems to rely on he's never gonna be defending himself to use his powers. It's only when he put his friends in jeopardy that he uses stuff. Apart from like mm-hmm. airbending. It's always gonna be I've got to put a friend in danger for him to kind of activate it. And Yep. And I, I think that that's a good quality for him to have. I, as in, like, I don't necessarily see that as a detriment because if his ultimate goal is to save the world, he needs to feel motivated by helping others, not just, or, you know, like, versus, like, himself. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's fine. Um. I think I had a little more fun with the next episode. Just... And the next episode is episode 10, (laughs) The Library. When he learns that there is a lost library with all the knowledge in the world, Soka convinces the others to seek it out in hopes of finding a weakness of the Fire Nation. Yes. Which I appreciated that this was a... That this mission was Soka's idea. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's Sokka, isn't it's it? Sokka, Sokka, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Sokka and Zuko. They're. Sokka. I always say Soka because my brain defers to Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Yes, that's it. So that's, that's what it is. That's why my brain always wants to call her Sokka. Ah, damn it. You know what I mean. <laughs> Sokka. <laughs> Sokka. When the walls fell. Um, no, that's that's a little too much on the, on the A. Oh, okay. It's like Sokka, like your socks on your feet. Right. Um. I just like the episode because it kind of gives shades of like, oh, this is like a role-playing game, this episode. They have a quest. Mm-hmm. They have a mission. Um, they shenanigans happen things. and they do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so the DM's like, all right, I guess I'm sinking the temple, you, the library, you jackasses. I mean... I'm also going to kidnap Appa, show you. Oh, Appa. That was rough, actually. Even though I know in the end Appa's going to be okay. Um, it's still rough. 
No spoilers, Cable. Uh, I actually, yeah. I, I, I was ahead of our, you know, like our conversations briefly, but that time has passed. So, I, I am now. Uh, I've watched uh, episodes eleven, twelve, and thirteen, and like I said earlier, twelve and thirteen just played together as mm-hmm. if it were one episode, which I thought mm. was very strange. But yeah, it also thematically fit. That the, so I've, I've just I've watched, but I've ended up jumping ahead further than than that. Uh, and looking at IMDb, it's gonna be a minute before we know what happened to Alpha. Oh um, yeah, I know. Um, this is actually I think one of the things that I liked about this episode is this was the beginning of. The group has been fairly untouched by adversity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they have, they've had problems, and 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 we've seen Ang react badly to things when he feels like something is actually going to make his life hard. <laughs> and th- starting with this episode, their lives get very adverse. Mm-hmm. And it does not bring out the best in any of them. Oh, which, which I think is going to it gives us more room for character exploration. The ne- next few episodes, you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. I was thinking the same thing. Like you can tell that like the stakes are starting to get higher. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not. I had not put any thought into like, oh, that's going to like test their dynamic their their relationships to one another but i guess that makes sense because they're kind of always doing that right like first it was you know the original three learning to get along and be a team and then toff comes into play and and now if you know like more shit is going to hit the fan more often Mm -hmm. of course like they're they aren't even if they were a, a well-oiled machine, so to speak, they, that's you know, like no one, no one gets out of hardships unscathed. So it would it would make sense that like they haven't hit some sort of like um, platonic ideal of of team teamwork and and right. you know friendship. Mm-hmm. Yep, which is great because man, that that. Not that I want to see them go, th- like, I don't want to see people have to go through hardships, but I do understand that within the context of this is a dramatic show and things are done for dramatic intent, these characters, if we don't see them have to deal with real hardship, then we aren't going to see them change. Yeah. Um, and well, there's, there's that slight theme of change also, like the, the hinting of what's to come. With their encounter with uh, Wan Shi Tong, the, you know, the, the librarian, basically, where he's oh, like, man. oh, such a cool design, by the way. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. But he's basically like, I am the you know keeper of knowledge. You're obviously humans, which means you're not allowed in here because humans cannot be trusted with knowledge. Clearly agrees to it. So I can imagine, you know, Wan Shi Tong's head. It's like, all right, this is OK. It's been a while. So. Let's give it a shot. Let's give it a shot. Oh, humans. <laughs> the first ones I let in in so long. And 
First thing you do is look up how to wage war and break my main rule. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, we knew they were lying when they went in. Yeah, we knew they were lying, but, you know, from the perspective of, you know, Wan Chi Tong, it's, well, he probably assumed they were going to lie too, but. I think also it, it's, we needed to see them. This still gets to that theme of uh, how they handle adversity. We need to see them have to deal with actual consequences yeah, yeah. of their actions because usually they figure out a way to charm themselves out of it. Sokka stole information after explicitly saying he wasn't going to. And they were almost all killed because of it. The person that helped them find the place did die because he remained in the library. Right. It's like, yeah, that man is dead. Yeah. This is the first time they really have to deal with consequences. Mm -hmm. And then added to that is they come out of everything and Appa has been kidnapped. Bison napped. Stolen. Bison. Bison. Yeah. Bison. No, he's, no, he's an air buffalo. No. He's no, an air right. bison. It is bison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, like, the it's like, okay, like, I, I loved your analogy, Aaron. The, the, this is a D&D party. And yeah. they made all the wrong decisions in <laughs> the Tomb of Annihilation. And when they came back out, all of their horses were dead. <laughs> Someone right. had stolen yeah, the, half of their supplies, <laughs> and they didn't even get and and they got the wrong treasure. They got the one that has the curse on it. Yeah, I mean, I I looked at yeah, I looked at the same way. Like they got in the dungeon, screwed up, but thought they are getting away with what they wanted. Get out and realize, oh, this isn't what we actually needed. And they looked down like, oh, and the village is on fire. Mm-hmm. Our bad. <laughs> and there's We're no leveling see. up. I'm sure to see if Dave Filoni had anything to do with this episode, but he didn't. No, he nope. didn't. Uh-uh, no, uh, he's not on the next grip. Of, he's not on the next three either. Uh, and they're they're rough. Well, and he's only I, he only got he only has directorial credits for like ten or eleven episodes out of the whole thing. So, well, I think we're also getting to the time in the air in Last Airbender where he's being pulled more and more into Star Wars stuff. Hmm. That I makes think. sense. Yeah, that I'm looking, trying to look at the date, 2006. Um, uh, now I'm being super pedantic. So yeah, the animated. So the animated Clone Wars, the movie, is 2008. Oh, so it makes okay. sense, but by now he's being courted for pre Well, even more that, because animation takes so long. So he's probably spending way more time talking to them Lucas folks in this in this timeline. So, uh, And the rest is history. <laughs> what am I hearing in the background? Um, hold on, it might be, it might be me. I'll be right back. It kind of sounds like Christian. It does. It sounds exactly like Christian. <laughs> like he's like he's placing an order, or is clearing mm-hmm. something up on the phone. Something. <laughs> he is on the phone. Yeah. Da 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 da. Yeah, I, I think you'll enjoy the next uh, next 
couple episodes. I think we can probably just do like the next two episodes. Just do episodes eleven and twelve. Yeah, we can do that. Sure. Yeah. Um, I believe those are called the desert, and then the other is the serpent's path. Nice. So. Well, should we roll into some of our thoughts about Samurai Rabbit, the Usagi Chronicles? Yeah. Yes. By um, the way, it only hit me today that it's Samurai Rabbit, Usagi, Yojimbo. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even like think about it. I was like, <laughs> oh. I was like, oh, obviously those are connected because the the naming is the you know, oh, good because it says the. Uh, Usagi Chronicles. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, look, it's a, an Usagi Yojimbo show. I'm like, <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. Literal, literally the same name. Cool. Rabbit Bodyguard is what it translates into. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this is a pretty big departure from Stan Sakai's comic. Yeah. Let's. Can we give a little? Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, go ahead. I guess not everyone knows. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not, not everyone is as obsessed as mm-hmm. some of us. I, I'm not obsessed, but I was talking about myself. I know. I'm trying to think though, like because I'm about to think. Well, who doesn't know Usagi Yojimbo? Like, even if you're not obsessed, if you were a casual Ninja Turtles fan, you eventually discovered this character and maybe didn't pursue the character more. I did. I was like, what is shit? Yep. Well, that's why you're a nerd. Um... I've been caught. Let's 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 start at the beginning here, not the beginning. Yeah, before the pandemic, a little bit. yeah, before the pandemic even hit, uh, Asagi Yojimbo has been a comic that's been actively produced by Stan Sakai for over thirty years. Um, Netflix and he came to a deal a couple years ago, just before the pandemic, to make a cartoon, not based on the comic, but within, but using concepts and characters. Because they didn't want to do a direct adaptation, which this show is not. No. Um, which, yeah. So, um, so it's called uh, Samurai Rabbit, the Usagi Chronicle. Uh, the yeah, the Us- Usagi Chronicles. Um, it debuted at the end of April. It is ten episodes long. Um, I don't know where you guys are at. I'm four episodes in. I only got to watch the first one. I sure. did too, which they kind of belong together. It's sort of that classic, mm. what? Not classic, but that that thing <clears throat> that new animation does nowadays is the pilot is technically the two first two episodes. Yeah, okay. we saw the same thing with the uh, Star Trek Prodigy. Yeah, that's right. true. And and I know others, but I don't have a. I don't, I'm not going to recall them right now. Uh, yeah, so it seems like. It's not a remake. It's not a modern version of the same thing. It is same universe many years down the road. Yeah, so Usagi, uh, the Usagi Yojimbo comic uh, takes place in the early 1600s, just after the uh, Tokugawa shogunate has uh, taken hold in Japan. The, the Battle of Sakigahara has happened, and that's that's when the um, shogunate took power and was in power until the 1800s, 1900s. Um, it's a long time. They, uh, so the, the story in the comic is 
centered around this rabbit named Miyamoto Usagi, who is a wandering samurai and he has adventures and it's all set in feudal Japan. But like Bean said, that's not where this show takes place. It's referenced, but it's not when it takes place. Right. Based on when the, the timeline that they keep giving, they haven't said a year, but this show takes place later than Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, because I think they even call it Neo Edo. Neo Edo. Neo Edo. Mm-hmm. And they, they do say they, well, uh, they say a it's thousand a years. A thousand years. Again, that was 1610. Right. So that would make this is 2610. <laughs> I hadn't really put any thought into that when they said it, and, but just now that you're mentioning, oh, they did say a thousand years. That's a mm. long time from now. Yeah, and the second time they said, yeah, it's a, a thousand years ago, I'm like, hang on a second. <laughs> this, and th- this, th- this takes ahead. place between Picard and Discovery then. <laughs> <laughs> later, later than Picard. Yeah. There is like some talk about like ancestral stuff. I don't want to give too much away in case people don't want well, it, their cart, you know. I, I like how it uses the art to illustrate flashbacks. I think that's mm-hmm. a pretty cool thing that they do. That is my we favorite can, thing in the whole show. We can say that. It cuts when it ever does a flashback, essentially it cuts to a more traditional uh, from that era. It, it feels by. like a Sumi ink style. Yeah. And the illustrations are a combination of uh Sumi Inc. and uh, the artwork of Stan Sakai. So the rest of the show is computer generated. Um, So it's 3D, more like a Pixar movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the strength of this show is the fact that it is a adapted from the works and not a direct adaptation of the comic. Uh, because if it was a direct adaptation of the comic, then diehard fans of Asagi Ojimbo would find three million things to pick this show apart. Whereas right. this is this is a completely different story. This is very this is anthropomorphic cyberpunk. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is. is. Um, and it, go ahead. Let's say. Well, I had that moment the first few minutes in. Because I didn't, partially because I don't know how well Netflix has been advertising it. And maybe because I'm not in the demographic, I'm not seeing it. Fair. Um, Netflix knows that I am a childless house. So why are they going to advertise on my algorithms kid shows? Mm -hmm. Um, Quote unquote kid shows. So the first five minutes I was like, oh, this is not Usagi Yochimbo. And then I was like, well, not that Usagi, I consider that kind of an all ages comic, actually. I think it's pretty well... It's, it'll deal with some more advanced thought, but it's not like a comic for adults. But I felt like if I was the age that this show is targeted to, this show is going to appeal to more than a quote proper adaptation of Stan Sakai's comic. Exactly. Yeah, this is yeah. this is very much intended for a new young audience yeah. with still some nods to the original content mm-hmm. um, in a way that I think is pretty well done. I'm not going to say it's a baby show for babies, but it is definitely a much younger demographic. It's not quite so all ages. Um, 
I I actually do th- like Merrick and I had talked about this. I think this actually falls more under the category of all ages and family friendly than it does just kids show. Yeah, there's still yeah, there's still some. I feel like there's some uh, concepts that are kind of getting hinted at, um, but it, it's not like it certainly isn't as dumbed down as I've seen a lot of other animated series. Like I feel like it's on par with prodigy in how it's handling some of its characterizations. Right. And I think that prodigy is like very much a show for like 10 to 12 year olds, maybe eight to 12. Geared at the lower end. Yes. Mm -hmm. But it's also like being watched by every Trekkie out there. Right. That's true. It's not a Trek bro. Although I will, I, I do agree. You're right. There are some, there's some themes around legacy that I think are going to be like pretty prominent throughout the whole series. And um, that's, that can be pretty grown up. Mm-hmm. So saying that your ancestor assassinated a Shogun is that's a thing <laughs> and is therefore vilified and hated a thousand years later. Right. Um, that that's one of those. That's that's a that's a lot. That's a lot. It is. It's a long time for people to be mad at you and everyone in your bloodline. Mm-hmm. But I do like that this show could potentially get kids then who maybe want to learn more as they get older, or even if they age, they're watching it. You know, to maybe go look for, like, well, where can I find more of this character? Well, you can go to your comic book shop. It's not this character exactly, but they're referencing this era. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, he, they, they reference Usagi, Miyamoto Usagi specifically. That's true. Yeah. It's like, if you want to know his real story, here it is. Yeah. And in, they do in a 57 good job. volumes. They, they've already like made that art style appealing by using it only for like some you know like objectively badass moments. Mm-hmm. Um, the the one thing that like really keeps me from like loving this show is that like just like in Prodigy, the main character is this kind of shithead young lad who thinks he knows everything. He just like he just thinks he's the fucking dog's bollocks and really isn't going to listen to what anyone else has to say. I mean, maybe that's a trope slash archetype for a reason, because maybe none of us remember what it was like to be a little (laughs) punk-ass nine-year-old who couldn't be told what to do. That's fair. That's fair. It just makes it hard to watch. Unless you're a little punk nine-year-old. Once you get past episode two, you're you're fine. Okay. I'm, I'm, again, I'm four episodes in. Um like he's written that way specifically at the beginning so that he has room for growth. Right. I know. And I mean, that's always, know, yeah, the because point he has nowadays, to unless you're Caillou, the whole point is that you, you know, they're going to grow out of that mm-hmm. archetype. Um, but I'm like, I, I already did that. I'm like, I'm like 30 something years away from having done that. So like, I really don't need to like live it out on, on TV. Um, To me, it is not compelling. I am not the intended audience. Sure. Uh, 
I do one of the elements of the show that I did find not not jarring, but took a, a moment to get used to is the fact that while the lead character in this show is uh, uh, Yuichi, is that his name? I have it here in front of me. I'll have to look it up on the the IMDb's to get all the names again. Nope, it it doesn't give his his name is Yuichi Usagi. Yes, which which is really fucking confusing because it's like okay, so like you said that you're a descendant of Miyamoto Usagi, and you say your name is Yuichi Usagi. You keep saying this like. That's your first name and then your last name, and that's not Miyamoto Usagi's first name is Usagi, and his family name is Miyamoto. I mean, you can be a descendant from someone and have a different. This is true. Last name, and that gets into a whole bunch of fucking plot points and spoilers and Usagi Ojimbo as it is. Yeah, and there might have been a real kind of just basic decision of like. This is a kid's show. We're not going to go into yep, naming. Just give him, con- give him one name. Give him one name. Yep. Um, but the three friends that he makes along the way that become part of his little crew are <laughs> Gen, Kitsune, and Chizu, who are all characters from the comic. Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, Gen, the, the rhino, is um, in the comic is Murakami Genosuki. Uh, or Gen, who is another wandering samurai who works as a bounty hunter. Um, he he and Usagi have taken turns early in their relationship of stiffing each other for the other's bar bill <laughs> <laughs> and keep running into each other over and over and they just kind of pair up. Um, I, I know nothing about that in anything related to Usagi. Nope. <laughs> My character would never do that to our samurai in the group. Nope. Nope. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kitsune um, is a street performer who also wanders around. She uses fans and spinning tops. She's well known for telling stories and she uses dances uh, the tops along fans. Um, it should also be noted that Cases of stolen purses also increase every time that uh, Kitsune moves into town. <laughs> um, and then Chizu. I don't want to tell you who Chizu is. <laughs> She's a cat. <laughs> In the car. <comics>. wait. <laughs> you Because you'll, 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 you'll figure that out in a few episodes. See, cool. folks, for full disclosure also, part of me and maybe Bean also, we can't tell if Cable doesn't want to tell us stuff because it'll spoil the show or the game he's running. Spoil the show. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Is he teasing us about what happened in our game? No, I've already given you information in your game that is relevant to who Chizu is. Oh, see? See, now you know. Okay. <laughs> Where's my notebook? Where's my game book? This is what you get. Dear listeners, this is what what, uh, Bean and Aaron have to put up with every time I run uh, an issue of our game for Usagi Yojimbo. It's fun. (laughs) 
Yeah, little Hajitani, the most thorough and diabolical DM I've ever worked with. <laughs> and she's played with me, so that's saying a lot. Um, I just love the world. It's a, it's a fun world to play in, and I think that that's also what's geared my head to really enjoy this show. Mm-hmm. Is that I'm not expecting it to be an adaptation of the comic. It is in the world. And in this case, like a thousand years later in the world, but I've also read Space Usagi. So, you know, my head was kind of there already. I always forgot there was Space Usagi also. There was Space Usagi. Yeah. There was uh, also Senso, which was a, a departure of, like, it, it, it was a timeline branch from the original comic where, like, Usagi is an old man. Um, kids that were introduced in the comic are now adults. And it it's essentially Mar- it's a War of the Worlds set in feudal Japan. Oh, I gotta find those. I'm guessing yeah. we're strades of them. Awesome. Yes, Senso, S E N S O. That sounds righteous. It, it's really good. When did so Stan officially good. make Usagi canon in the Ninja Turtles? Did he actually just cross over? Um, there had to have been something because even Sakai said, "Nope, nope, that happened." Yeah, that uh, I think that it happened in the comics before it happened in the TV show, I believe. Yeah, that may, I don't remember ever seeing him in the TV show. Usagi Ojimbo? Yeah, did he show up in the animated series and he I was, just missed it? Yes, he was in the original animated series. That's why there's an action figure of him. Oh, I thought they just made the action figure just because. That to must be the reason figure. I always think there was a Usagi Ojimbo animated Cartoon. series even yep. though there never was is because i probably oh, saw right. those turtles episodes yeah there you go usagi um, crossovers in 2003 tmnt series that can't be the most the, the earliest no that was that that's the most recent that was the last time they crossed over um it was while usagi was being published by idw 1986 yep that makes sense. Features a pinup by Stan Sakai depicting Usagi and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. Turtle <laughs> soup and rabbit stew. Yep. Shell that shop. sounds right. Okay, now I remember it. Okay. Okay, yeah. So 86 is when that started quick, happening. Quick yeah, little I side note. Reading... Mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. like the character of Gen in this show. Mm-hmm. Which I'm starting to realize that I might like Rhino characters in every show. Because I'm just now remembering that my favorite character in Beast Wars was Rhinox. That's because Rhinox was fucking Rhinox badass. Fucking righteous. He was cool. They did him dirty in Beast Machines. Yes, they did. Fuck. Anyway, sorry. I don't know any of this. Dude, Beast Wars was so good. Anyway. Just don't, don't. It'll break your heart. Yeah, don't. <laughs> just don't. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> All right. Just go watch more Wonka or Y movies then. It's fine. <laughs> oh, man. I missed the chance to go see In the Mood for Love at the Hollywood. I deliberately didn't take that opportunity. I was like, what better way? Everyone says I should watch this, and that sounds intriguing, and it's going to be on the big screen, but I could not. The the first time I saw In the Mood for Love was on the big screen. It was actually at the the Fifth Avenue Cinemas uh, on the PSU campus. Oh. Oh, wow. It was, oh, god damn. God damn that movie. Mm. Um, I might just cave and see it's so good, Bean. It is so good. Yes. And I, I, I can, I can tell it's, it's going to be so, so depressing. And I'm so excited. 
Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the 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 characters from the Asagi or the Samurai Rabbit uh, cartoon are future versions of their cartoon or their comic book counterparts. The the thing that the thing that keeps throwing me that I don't like, um, and this is really nitpicking. I don't understand why Kitsune's tail is her hair rather than it being her actual tail. Oh my god, I didn't notice. Yeah. Let me find a picture. It's her fucking ponytail, and it looks weird. Kids animation, man. As it is, like, 3D animation is often, like, it's really hit or miss for me. Right. Like it, it's that's the one design note that I would give back and like no, just I, I if you're worried about kids looking at her ass because it's on her, because it's where it's supposed to be, just live with it and put her tail there where it's supposed to be. Oh yeah, and I not didn't... on the back of her head. I yeah, mean, that is weird. It's not like she isn't wearing pants. There's no reason to like. But now I have to go back through and look at the comics because I I don't think any of the characters have tails. Which is weird, I know, but like, their heads are animals, the rest of their body is human looking. So does anyone have a tail? I don't think they do. uh, I'm not finding a a frontwards picture. No, I'm looking at pictures of Kitsune in the comics. She doesn't have a tail either. Yeah, okay. And there's Chen? Chizu? Gen. No, Gen no, the cat, and the Chizu. Cat one. Chizu. Chizu. Okay. Uh, I'm not finding any enough pictures of her. Oh my gosh! Also, uh, you can see, yeah, a, a picture just reminded me that at some point you're going to get introduced to um, one of those like snub nose cats, where like their faces are all smooshed in, but they're really big and fluffy, and so oh like the the costume, the body is very lithe, and you know petite looking but then but then you've just got this like big old pom-pom like a fucking cotton candy on a little cone it oh it's it's fantastic eric and i lost our shit at that reveal it was so fucking funny on screen (laughs) oh my god it's great uh so i did a quick little just like random group picture search of all of stan sakai's usagi characters or a big chunk of them Mm mm-hmm the only one who's drawn with a tail is the pet dinosaur. And he's not a dinosaur. He's a Tokage. Right. Yeah. That's the only character with a tail. And those are animals. I, I That's got to be the, the thing. It's if you're an animal, then you still have a tail. Look, it's still weird for me sometimes when you see pig characters in the comic eating pork belly. <laughs> like, it's weird, man. Yep. Uh, I don't think it is, because don't pigs eat, like, anything? They do, but it's still... Including still meats? Oh, yeah, no, pigs eat anything. That used to be mm-hmm. a great way to dispose of a body, which you can still do in Red Dead Redemption 2, which is hilarious. I mean, it's effective. Yeah, we all saw Deadwood. Deadwood, that's the one. I was like, yeah, that's the one that really brought it out to people. But yeah, and no, Snatch. Pigs leave anything. Also, Manhunter. Oh, yeah, that's right. 
what I'm saying is it's weird to see like a pig character in Sakai's comics specifically order, you know, tonkatsu. Tonkatsu. Mm, Mm, tonkatsu. I am so hungry, you guys. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's why I've specifically left that out in the game because I don't like there's no eating pork. Although I think my character noticed one of your characters, one of the NPCs is named Tonkatsu. His name is just Katsu. Oh, Katsu. That's right. My character almost made like food. You're Which named is- after food. Well, Katsu is when something is breaded and fried. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, which he's going to be when I'm done with him. Mm-hmm. Or more likely when I stick the samurai on him. Because I'm not a fighter. Um, I'm not a, an attack dog. Yeah. I'm, not even, I'm not even a dog. Also, he's your nemesis. He's not anyone else's. I know. It's awesome. <laughs> little anyway, B- sorry. Little BTS re- listeners. <laughs> Aaron's character in the game pissed off an NPC to the degree that he now he went from being a completely throwaway character that was supposed to die in a, in the first fight that they had. <laughs> and he is now an arch nemesis for Aaron's character. Yeah. That's right. Like it, you essentially used vicious mockery twice, and that is not <laughs> something that even exists in this game. And he'll do it again. Of course he will. So what happens when I play a character who's a combination of the thief character from Thirteen Assassins and Lando Calrissian, mm-hmm. <laughs> and a fox, and is also a fox? Yes, is also a fox. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, sorry, listeners. That's all right. Although I feel like we could do an entire episode one day of all of us just telling our RPG stories. That'd be kind of fun. Oh, that would be because I'd yeah. like to. I, I that would be fun. I, my memory's I, not good enough for that. Mine are all centered around stuff that I've done with you guys. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but I think that would be a good way to kind of talk about other RPGs that we're into and why. We should plan that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um. Anyway, back to uh, Samurai Rabbit. Yep. <laughs> if it's you're a looking fun show, for, I don't yeah. know if it's for me, but it's a fun show, and I'll you know I'll still catch it. Uh, I I would I highly recommend everyone at least give uh like the first three episodes a shot. Um, because the first two give you a general idea, and the third episode gives you the real. Like, oh, this is what they're after. And has one of those lessons that they have in kids' shows that you're like, oh, okay. That's yeah. that's a good life lesson to learn. I did like oh, that yeah, too. you're right. As I, I, I got to part of the third episode, but I didn't finish it. Um, but yeah, that's that begins the um, the story. The overall story. Yep. And uh, yeah, you can see where that's, that's going to go. Yeah. Well... Before we wrap up, I don't know, Bean, if you had a chance, but I know Cable and I saw the She-Hulk trailer that came out. Today. Oh, no, I didn't, but that's okay. We can, we can still talk about it. Yeah. I'll just, um, I'll just sit here quietly. I, I, my first thing about it is I love the fact that we have the full title of the show now, which is She-Hulk, colon, Attorney at Law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Like that, that in and of itself tells you exactly what show you're going to get. Yeah. Um, 
have to remind myself of who plays her, and it's uh, Tatiana Masali. Yeah, which I remember from Orphan Black. Yep. That's what everyone remembers her from. Yeah, well, great show, and she was phenomenal in it. Um, it has uh, Jamia. They haven't seen her, shown her yet, but Jamila Jamal is playing Titania, which is mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Mark Ruffalo's back as, quote, Smart Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Tim Roth is the Abomination Slap. What's his real name? Lebonsky? That's... Um, uh. Emil Bronsky. Emil Bronsky. Yeah, that's it. Um, and we actually get to see both the Abomination and uh, Emil Bronsky mm-hmm. in we the do. episode in the trailer. So, like Tim Roth is in the scene. It's like, oh hey, so you we actually get to see both of you. Yeah, and they've. I don't know if they. I mentioned this cable before the show before being before you logged in. I don't know if they'd said this beforehand, but on the official announcement today. Uh, Wong is in the series also. Huh. So that's pretty cool. Um, it looks the, super fun. The duties of the Sorcerer Supreme are <laughs> never ending. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's going to have its serious moments, but this feels like a more lighthearted show, which I'm kind of here for. It does. You know, I mean, has Marvel done like a light show on Disney Plus? I can't. WandaVision maybe Hawkeye. started light. Started Hawkeye. 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 Okay. Yeah. They, they started. No, they went trauma. Trauma. Mm-hmm. Trauma. <laughs> Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Oh, right, oh then back with, to, and then with, back with to trauma. trauma with there's, there's kind of trauma in that, but you're right. It's more of like a fun, you know, dealing with mobsters story. Yeah, with with Hawkeye and his trauma, like the backstory that we always got with Clint was that he's been doing this longer than he was ever an Avenger, and he he knows how like dealing with PTSD is part of his job. Whereas Wanda Maximoff, Bucky Barnes, uh, Sam Wilson, and Loki all need fucking therapists. Yes. Uh, he's not in the trailer, but it looks like William Hurt will be back, which makes total sense. Oh, the late William Hurt. Yeah, so maybe it's flashbacks. Probably. They're using old footage of him, maybe. Hmm. Uh, They show the cast, but some of them, they are specifically not listing their character, so those are probably meant to be surprises. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, So, I don't know, it looks cute. Uh, It was... Me kind of showing, I guess, my my oldness. It's weird to see something advertised on Disney Plus to have a character say, your ass looks great. And even though (laughs) it's a perfect line for it and for the scene and for the character, it still is weird for my brain to go like, you know, that's all. I'm going to just automatically assume that that is a line either spoken by or directed to Jamila Jamil. Maybe both. Neither. Correct on both. Ah, man. It's it's... a random woman we don't know spoken to She-Hulk. Okay. I mean, that's fine. I'm not mad or disappointed. Yeah, they don't shy away from showing She-Hulk in this. So Mm -hmm. you get to see what uh, Maslany's She-Hulk looks like. And it's like, oh, okay, they did the same thing that they did with Ruffalo. So, you know, 
yeah. we get a Maslani Hulk, a She-Hulk, the same way we get uh, Ruffle Hulk. Yeah. No, it works really well. Um, I am curious how they're going to use their powers because they're kind of hinting that the the Banner family, as it were, have something in their DNA that makes them susceptible to Gamma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I did... What is it? He says you have to pull your power from... He says we channel our power from, was it, uh, fear and anger? Mm. Is that what Mm -hmm. he tells her? And she's like, I'm a modern woman. That's my only way I operate anymore. (laughs) Like that's... (laughs) Yep. I was like, oh, okay. Um... But it looks cool. And I'm always a sucker for the scenes when they grow and you see them burst out of their shoes and like mm-hmm. just little nerd stuff like that. Um, little cheeky at the end, which I kind of appreciated because it goes about She-Hulk trying to use dating apps about how much dating sucks in the modern world. And then it ends with her meeting a guy where the date's clearly going well because he's like, let's split a plate of fries. And she's like, how about we do that back at my place? <laughs> And he kind of smiles. Then the next scene is in full She-Hulk mold. She's just picking him up and walking towards the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's oh, cute. Okay. And he's totally there for it. He's like, woohoo. You know? mm-hmm. It's not a, he's weirded out by it. He's like, it's awesome. It's like, all right, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> it looks really cute. It looks fun. Um, Which is all I have ever expected from She-Hulk. Like, like, her comic has famously broken the fourth wall, fourth wall for years. Yeah, it has. That's part of the the what made her fun and famous. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I would agree. I think it looks fun. Um, I think the show is going to be great. Yeah. And then after that one, because that's August seventeenth, I believe, is when we're mm-hmm. getting it. Uh. Are we getting Miss Marvel before that? I believe so. I, th- I think so. I'm trying to remember when that's supposed to drop. But... Also, God, we're only a week away from Obi Wan, aren't we? Oh yeah, that's next week, dude. Oh jeez. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, so much goodness. June eighth, uh, Brad said. June eighth. Yep. Yeah. Hey, that's the new release date for season of the Bruja issue three. Just hey! FYI. Noted. Hi, everyone. Yeah. Uh, is that the show? I think so. <laughs> I yeah. 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 With, with Marvel, it's I think it's Ms. Marvel, and then it's Thor: Love and Thunder. Yeah. Or I have those flip flopped. And no, here that means... I have it. Uh, Ms. Marvel, June eighth. Thor: Love and Thunder, July eighth. Okay. Oh, and then She Hulk in in August. And then I think at the end of the year we get Secret Invasion starting. I think. Who knows? But yeah, it's a good time Kevin to be Feige. in. Yeah, that's true. And Samuel L. Jackson. Well, with all that shenanigans, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Bainer And I am Cable Hashitani. We will talk to everybody next week. Bye, everybody.